1: Big sedans. Happy Friday, by the way. But big sedans is tomorrow on the Motor Trend Cable Channel. You can watch four sedans get thrown at each other. Not not literally, but two brand I was new ones. Say, that's
0: an entirely different episode. A- and our
1: and our two old. Maybe we'll do that. Down the, the big line. No, sedan yeah. cannon. Yeah, exactly. We throw sedans at each other.
0: We're going to play chicken with our ridiculous
1: old sedans. Let's not do that, even though people are going to want to see that. So yeah, it is. The, it's the first time that we get to feature the Phaeton and the QP5. Mm-hmm. And we put them, This is the reason. Honestly, this is the episode. I wanted to make when we talked about maybe, possibly, with your help getting these cars. (laughs) For sure. And here's this episode. It's tomorrow, Saturday, and we'll be following shortly on Amazon and Vimeo. We're very excited about it. Can't you tell, I'm very excited. The the next three are great. There's that one. Yeah, yeah. There's the Lemons episode, the third in our trilogy, I promise we're done now, of Lemons racing (laughs) episodes that is really quite fun. Oh yeah! It was one of those where I started editing it and was like, "All right, third lemons episode. It's not going to be. It's going to be about the same as the other." I was like, "No, this is really fun. It's cool. Very fun one." And then we have um, Miata RF in the snow with other madness. Turned out great. That is very cool. Those three are on the way. We had
0: fun actually. Kind of bringing non empirical data to the hey, here's what we came up with every day thing driver. at the end.
1: Everyday driver does testing. It's yeah, crazy. It was Who knew if we fun. were going to do testing? Yeah.
0: All right. Well, guys, thanks to our Covercraft, GRIOS Garage, and Haggerty Insurance sponsors bringing TV to you. And uh, you will hear more throughout the podcast from those guys. And uh, yeah, the cheap luxury sedans, it's the two really expensive new ones versus our two. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So the ones that Not run. Not expensive old ones. Yes, exactly. The ones that run. Well, we've got a couple of cool debates here. First of all, from Louis D. He's in the La Jolla, San Diego area mm-hmm. writing about, you remember, the 2003 Mazda Protégé 5? Yeah. We've never talked about a Protégé it's true. on it's the true. podcast I th- I ever. Think it's,
1: I think it has somehow escaped mention. You're right. Yeah.
0: We've also got Michael W. He's in Surrey County, UK, actually the same county Very where cool. uh, you did yeah. some growing up years. For
1: sure. Yeah, yeah. And he's asking about which
0: classic starter Porsche you should get. A starter Porsche.
1: A starter Porsche. It's please. like my
0: first Sony. Please, please, please don't stop Porsche. listening to
1: the podcast because we just said starter Porsche. Please stay with us. I promise. Well, it's he, be he's fun.
0: got a budget, and and starter means low budget, so yeah, it's, it's actually kind it's of true. difficult, it's which not, is yeah. why I found it interesting. I it's not, not like starter Porsche, and which hundred and ten thousand exactly. dollar coming Porsche? In with it's a, not that not
1: much money, and going should yes. I get which one? Yeah, it's going to be very cool. Plus, a lot of really good questions that some of which were, I kind of stopped for a minute and went. What do I think on that one? So I'm excited to get the yeah, those as still, well. I'm still noodling
0: uh, oh, as well. All right. Louie, you're in La Jolla, San Diego area. Yeah, cool. Take your wife to the Stratford Court Cafe, one of my favorite places for breakfast. Oh. Take, take it to breakfast on Saturday morning. You guys will love that. It's up in Del Mar, one of my favorite places uh, just cool. north of San Diego. He started listening to the podcast. He loves the thoughtful car recommendations. Thank you, Louis. We really appreciate it. Yeah. His daily is a fairly unknown yellow 2003 Mazda Protégé 5, which is a four-door hatchback version mm-hmm. of the Protégé that mm-hmm. was only made in O two and O three. This is right before it was superseded by the Mazda 3.
1: Yep. yep. Okay?
0: He says it has the most unimpressive spec sheet. But the reason he's been driving for close to 10 years now is because they bought it as poor newlywed college students with around 130,000 miles on it. I love it. it. When they bought it yep. and they spent 6000 of their savings to buy it, it was cheap, practical, unique, fun to drive, and economical.
1: And it still is. Those all are, those things. Those are yep.
0: hard to find traits in modern cars yes. for a good price. Yeah, for sure. He says, now, 10 years later, I've got a grown-up job. The car is worth $2,500 on a good day, and though his income increased that's steadily. It's like, like
1: Phaeton money. Says- <laughs> <laughs> Mazda protégé or Volkswagen Phaeton? Hmm, let me think. Let me think. Cheap,
0: yes. Practical, mm, for the most part. What can put anything unique, you want in it. Very, very unique. Yeah. Is it going to run like the Mazda?
1: Well... <clears throat> I went to lunch this we'll week see. with a buddy in Salt Lake that okay. I used to work with. Okay. And I didn't tell him anything about the car before we climbed in. And oh. he legitimately, I think he'd read the license, he legitimately got in and goes, So, because he obviously knows I'm a car guy. He's not a car guy. This is the thing okay. I have to clarify. He's okay. not a car guy. All right. And we were going to lunch. We're talking about something totally separate. And he got in, of course, knowing I'm a freak car guy. And the last car he saw me get in was the Lotus, because the last time I saw him was like six months oh, ago. Oh, right, right, right. So we climb in this I didn't announce it. I just walked around and got in it. And he climbs in beside me and goes, So you got some sort of Jetta? (laughs) (laughs) So then I got to explain, which is all the madness. Yeah, your protege is probably more economical than the Well, he says
0: it's aged gracefully, $2,500 on a good day, as I was saying. But the budget for his cars, even though his income has increased, hasn't because he and his wife are saving for a house, which is absolutely the right thing
1: to do. It's very cool. And and you're going to need all that budget in Southern California. Exactly. And
0: and welcome to the We'll Spend Your Money For You podcast, Uh despite what you tell us. But actually, saving for a house is admirable and very it worthy. It is, for sure, yeah. All right. So, the dilemma here is, there's no other car he can buy for six dollars to $8,000 in cash mm-hmm. that possesses all the desirable traits of the Protégé 5. Simple, manual, fun to drive, unique, practical, economical, naturally aspirated, moderately handsome, and reliable. Four-door hatchback. Four-door hatchback. Yep. <laughs> Lastly... He says, for context, he's decent working with cars. He performs most of the work on their cars. He swapped the engine out on this Protégé 5. He's had to pull the head off his Miata, which he has, first-generation Miata. Mm -hmm. And in San Diego, he says, I'm right next to the beach with patches of wonderful curvy roads. At the end of the day, it's about how a particular car makes him feel on the way to or back from work. Wherever he's going, yeah. errands doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, that is the disease. I mean, completely. It's, we completely, love driving yeah. our cars. Doesn't always have to be in the right situation with the right sunshine and the. It doesn't have to. It it's helps, but it's all the matter. time yeah, for, for sure. sure. All right, so you've heard the wish list. He's got the Miata, ninety seven Miata. He's got an O four Highlander V six and an O one Camry. So. What do you think? He's he's had a Celica. Ooh, he's had the Celica mm-hmm. ST
1: 1989. Yep. He's well, had a Honda Del Sol. A Honda Prelude as well. Some cool stuff on here, wow. actually. Yeah, 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 for sure. Louis, I can think of three. Can you? I've got a couple. I'm yeah.
0: glad. All right. So jumping into the choices here, because all these things are definitely tough to find, but they're even harder to find at the six dollars to $8,000 level. True, 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 yeah between. I mean, the Phaeton is now a ten thousand plus dollar
1: car. That's amount it's, amount not that it's not a five thousand dollar Phaeton. Yeah. It, it, I mean, well, let's it, not it, kid. It ourselves. is exactly the poster child for what I've always said: is your five thousand dollar car probably isn't a five thousand dollar car because you are going <laughs> I mean, to get it and have to buy fill in blanks. You you did it with the Spot the Mini. You did, yes, but yes. that's a one off. <sighs> he was he was the exception thing. to the rule that yeah. almost makes it true. No, the the Phaeton now has about ten grand in it total total with the purchase price, including shipping and tires and and everything that it's just. There's ten thousand dollars sitting there. And it'll yeah.
0: continue to run if you stop ramming it into snowbanks. I mean, the lights won't come on on the dash if you. Don't drive in snowbanks.
1: True. Snow banks. True. I, yeah. At least I have video because you know that's the just, world we live in. Thank God I have video. Just I, a thought. I'm crippled, but thank God there's video. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's but that's man. a bad way to approach it. What's what's even worse about that is part of the reason I have video of that ridiculous idea is because I mentioned it in passing and my wife went, "You should film that." And I thought, <laughs> You're "You were me. my last bastion of like maturity in my in my home. My son's ten. He's going to be like, let's do that with firecrackers. Of course. You know. So my, my wife was like the last. one. she was like, you should film that. I was like, well, that settles it. I guess we're doing that. Anyway. (laughs) All right, Louis.
0: I can think of the 2005 or 2006 Saab 92X. Mm -hmm. It's mostly identical to the Impreza wagon. There's, well, it has three names of car companies in various places stamped on its body in various parts. (laughs) So you do have that benefit. Yeah. Did you know that it won the highest IIHS safety awards when it came out? Mm. Now. I did not know that, actually. Todd had one. Yeah. And he loved it. Mm -hmm. It had a rebuilt engine and it still ran great.
1: Yeah, it ran great. Now, did
0: you have the linear or the arrow? You had the arrow. I had had the turbo. I had the turbo. Okay, so that is the turbo. There is a linear version without the turbo. So Mm -hmm. they're a little bit cheaper. But as of now, they're getting older and, of course, higher mileage. Mm -hmm. But you could still probably find one in
1: that range because the linear for sure, the turbo probably. Okay. All right. The linear fair for sure. The linears were yeah, that exactly. when I had mine and the turbos were running around 10, and that's been years ago now.
0: And again, they've got high miles on them. Mm-hmm. But Louis is no stranger to miles and Agreed. he can yeah, work yeah. on the cars himself. Totally. Yep. But now you're into Subaru parts, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. maybe a blessing and a curse, but it kind of depends on who you are. It's and Lego where for sure. At. Yeah. So you've got that benefit. And actually, the seats in the 92X were actually. Specific to those cars.
1: They're pretty good, So yeah. it's
0: mostly them Impress Interior, but it's, there's a few touches.
1: GM through Saab, or Saab through GM, depending on where to look at it. GM owned 20 or 25% of Fuji Heavy Industries, the parent company of Subaru, at the time that that car was made. And this, this, this is the actual, I just can't believe this story. This is marketing 101 or 104. It, anyway, the point is, <laughs> they, did a, they did a test thing for Saab. Okay. And Saab's market conclusion was they would get new buyers in if they sold an all-wheel drive, roughly thirty thousand dollar hatchback. That was apparently the conclusion. Did it work? So do GM, we think it worked? GM went, we can solve this, and they told Subaru, you're going to build this car. That's the WRX, essentially. Mm-hmm. You're going to build it with a with a Saab uh, suit on it. And what's nice about it, though, is they went through essentially the Subaru parts bin and pick and chose. And so it's got the it's got upgraded seats and it's got the steering rack from the STI and it's got some, some pick and choose stuff that makes it actually a little bit better than WRX, but they don't have the WRX premium on them. Yeah. They run that way. I I think that's a great, I did not pick that, but I think it's a great choice here. Really good. Well, it, it meets unique. Mm. It is totally. You don't see them around and the styling is actually
0: pretty good. I think it actually has looked better over times, better than the Impreza that year. So it it meets those things. It's economical. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think they'll just run. You're going to have to put work into it. Todd's car was an anomaly because it had the rebuilt engine, but most of them are just running. Mm -hmm. They're going Subaru parts. My second car for you is any Mazda 3 hatchback. You you talked about it. Mm -hmm. The car that came after yours, any Mazda 3 hatchback at that price, Mm -hmm. at any engine, any configuration, as most Mazda 3 as you can get for that kind of money, Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be great because actually the first generation of Mazda 3 were kind of roomy. They were pretty good-sized cars. They were
1: good cars for sure.
0: But my third recommendation for you is the one I'm most proud of.
1: Okay, very I like the about first this. two. But keep going, yeah.
0: It is the 2002 to 2005 Lexus IS 300 Sport Cross. Look at you! Now this is a rear-wheel drive wa- wagon that is stylish, mm-hmm. and I actually found you a 2002 automatic with 115,000 miles for eleven nine. It's it's okay. over your price. It is budget, over
1: price, but yeah.
0: But it's also in San Diego.
1: Interesting. It's, I found
0: it on auto Tempest. I went searching. I it's like available. It. It's in millennium silver now,
1: which we don't love, but that's
0: okay. It's an automatic, but there is another one that is currently being bid on, on eBay. It's an Oh five. So it's a little bit newer. Okay. It's, it's a sport cross manual with a current bid of 7,400. It looks a bit rough. This 11,000, $12,000 car mm-hmm. with 115,000 mm. unique. It's a wagon, naturally aspirated, All it checks all those boxes that you want. They're hard to find because they didn't make very many of them. True, but I do think this does it for you. It's that Lexus Sport Cross, the IS three hundred Sport Cross. Remember, the instrument panel was very much inspired by watch designs. The watch face design. It looks very much like
1: a watch. And the, Says the non-watch guy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the interior actually still looks clean. It mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a smaller form factor. It's kind of the competitor to that WRX in a way.
1: It's very similar to the Saab you're talking about. Yeah, yeah for but sure. It's,
0: it's a genuine wagon, rear-wheel drive yeah. wagon. That's very good.
1: You you did really well today. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all I'm about the Lexus, Louis. I'm quite impressed, Louis. I, I looked at your list and I thought, um, okay, I know that the reason you made this list of things it must have is because your current car has these things my question to you is why does your next car have to have them all fair that's a good question you, you, didn't, you didn't for example you didn't give me any reason and i broke this rule i mean as he all. knows what he likes totally. he knows what he needs but you on didn't give hand. me any reason to, that you have to have a four door fair I, I, okay. I don't there's no kids there's no dogs there's nothing in the equation that says this is getting in the back regularly this okay, thing Whatever it in is. the back, wherever yeah. I go. this small creature, you know, human or otherwise, is getting in the, there's none of that discussed. scary so so I don't know what the story is there, so I actually broke that, but I did get you a lot of the other stuff. The other thing is why naturally aspirated? I'm guessing because it's simpler and Probably. less prone to break. But, There's
0: some longevity in there, yeah, but modern turbos it, are But great. modern
1: turbos are not going to explode this minute. So yeah, maybe yeah. next minute, but not this minute. So let me go with a couple of things. Maybe a Lancer the, minute, but not well, this yeah, minute. Well, yeah, just don't get a Lancer. That's the sol- solve problem solved. That was a tiny shot. The $6,000 to $8,000 puts you, just so you know, I have to go there, just at the bottom of the Fiesta ST market. Mm, I looked. Yeah, true. The ones that are available at your budget, like just over $8,000, like right at the top of your budget, are all pretty high miles. Like, they're, mm-hmm. they're 150 mm-hmm. and up. So do you want to do that? I don't know. Now, the fact that they have that many. In fact, I saw one that was, like, two years old with 150,000 miles on it. I was like, somebody what? just drove that like crazy. But Commute they are. to both
0: ends of the. I guess. Pond. They are
1: crazy fun, and they do everything you're talking about incredibly well. Yes, it's a turbo, but it's not a complex car. I think you would love that car, but it is a little out of your budget. So I have two others I want to mention that are right in your budget. The problem, if we want to go problem, is that I, neither one of them are naturally aspirated because little tiny hatchbacks are more fun with more power. That's what makes a hot hatch. So neither one of them are naturally aspirated and both of them are two door. No. The Fiat 500 Abart, have your pick with $8,000. That's true. What's That's your true. combination? I wanted a gray, no black, no red, no white. Take your pick. They're available for sure. They're out there like crazy. And San Diego is a great place for that car. I love that car. That's just, it's small, great commute little car. You would like the 500 Abarth. Mm. And honestly, unlike the Fiesta where it's like, maybe I could get one. The Abarth is like, what would you like, sir? There's tons (laughs) of them for your budget. Okay. So Fiat 500 Abarth. And I have to go there. Mini Cooper S. Mm. Yeah. I like it. In fact, if you're a person that you're worried about hauling anything and you don't need your back seats much, do what I did. Or what I had on mine, which is take out your rear seats, yeah, and just have a two seat car that you can haul all. You'll be amazed how much space is in that car.
0: Well, you're making me think of the Clubman, like just the True. elongated True. longer yeah, wheelbase. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for sure that could work if you do need. The extra space, all yeah, the seats that's, down. Yeah, that's and, the
1: unknown thing here is why you know, why are you carrier saying- Carrier oil paintings or whatever you're carrying. Yeah, I don't get the sense that you have to have a four-door, but you've said you want a four-door. So I'm, I'm breaking that a little bit. I mean, a lot of the other stuff hasn't necessarily been. But those are the first two that I thought of hmm. that could be interesting. And then I have a wild card. Okay. <laughs> Suzuki Kazashi. Oh,
0: my gosh. Are those- Six to eight grand now? They're in that range. Are they
1: can in that you range. find them? Is the question. That's the thing. How are you gonna find one? And and then okay. secondarily, okay. how easily you're gonna be able to get parts. I don't have answers to those two questions off the I mean, top of my head, but it's a cool there. little car. There is Genuinely the argument cool car. that if
0: you work on a car yourself, you're more easily able to instead of trying to find service for it, you can dig in and, and find the knowledge and dig into the forums and have a little bit easier time servicing it. That is the problem because you're yeah. going to have to source the parts and, and learn how and to do it yourself. Lovely in this,
1: nicely in this lovely world of the internet, you're going to be able to find stuff. I know you are. It's just not going to be like, I have a Subaru, and you're going to walk in at every auto parts store. is like, we have 10 of that. It's not going to be that. But honestly, that is an amazing little, very unique little uh, sedan. You don't see mm. them. They're still good looking. They're very good looking. Yeah. I, they come out in the winter here, inexplicably in the Park City, Salt Lake area. <laughs> when the winter hits, Pontiac Aztecs and Suzuki Kazashis just pop up.
0: Don't know why they this all came is. here.
1: So anyway, because I guess I don't know, all-wheel drive oddballs wound up here, including me. So uh, that's something to look into again. I'm in total wild card mm. territory, but the price is right. They are unique. You can get them in manual. It's all of the above. It's not a hatchback though. No, so I break it's not. That. These are my ideas, though. I just like the name, Kazashi. Totally, yes. We love driving a great road, but we also enjoy time on track. No matter your skill level or interest, motorsportreg.com makes it ridiculously easy to find and register for track events all across the country. With over 7,000 events annually, it's the most complete listing nationwide. And if you're an event organizer, Motorsport
0: Reg will help you fill every event with tools that automate your tasks, improve accuracy, and grow participation Plus there's a full time support team who are there when you need them. Learn more and find events today at MsREG dot com slash everydaydriver. Michael W. is in Surrey County, UK, who has been educated, he said, over the last eight years or so. We he's enjoying the banter on the on the podcast. Michael, thanks for writing to us. He's listening while he's on the M25 London Orbital Motorway, and he was amazed that you, Todd, lived in his county of Surrey as a kid. So it's just to the in the southwest.
1: Weybridge. I lived in Weybridge. You did? Okay. Yes. So I remember uh, actually last time I was in London. Actually, no, that's not right. I left England in 83, and I went back in 2003. Oh, wow. 20 years later. I left as as almost an 11-year-old. Okay. I'm dating myself officially now. And I left, and when I came back—actually, it was almost 10. doesn't matter. When I came back, it was because I was working on The Lord of the Rings, the third film, Return of the King. That's cool. That's and cool. I went back there. I worked two premieres. I worked Paris, and I worked London. There were 13 premieres for that film worldwide. They literally did a world tour. They started in New Zealand, and they came east.
0: Now, were you doing all of those premieres? That or was you the had, thing. You had Those help. of us
1: in post-production, we split up. It was a divide-and-conquer thing. Okay. I worked L.A., okay. London and Paris, which is a pretty nice swath. Yeah, I knew I had guys that I worked with that worked L.A. and New York. Uh, there was uh, there was a Belgian one. There was one of the Scandinavian countries, and I'm getting it wrong. And one of you will know one of the Scandinavian countries. The current queen translated Lord of the Rings for her for her uh, language. You're kidding me. When she was like 20.
0: No kidding. So
1: she was guest of honor, and they did a premiere there. But they did, you know, all over Europe. They worked there. were East there was a Japanese premiere. There were thirteen global premieres. That
0: was the premiere. What was the one you were telling me about where it was just a fifteen-minute chunk of movie that essentially? Oh, that was investors the needed reel. to
1: see. That was the sizzle reel. Okay.
0: That, that's what I was thinking yeah. of. It wasn't, no, that was, that was, was doing a different world tour. This was the premiere. Okay. So I went back in
1: 2003 okay. and dropped into England 20 years after I left. And I actually had one half of a day off in London. <laughs> and I, this is one of the most surreal experiences of my life. I may have shared it before, but I went to Waterloo mm-hmm. and I found the train that was going through Woking to Weybridge. And I got on that train and I got off the train, the Weybridge uh, train station and literally just looked, cause I've got a very visual memory. I looked, literally yeah. looked around and went, Home is that way. And no I walked way. to my house. No way. I knocked on the door. And the British woman that answered the door was like, I told her who I was. Of course, I'm this huge American <laughs> guy showing up unannounced in the middle of her day. And I told her who I was. And she heard my last name. And she went, oh, we bought the house from your parents.
0: No way. They still lived there.
1: Yes. So I got to walk around. It was one of the most surreal experiences of my life. Surrey, Weybridge, very cool.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, Michael sent photos of the two new cars he has purchased for he and his wife the first of all is the brand new Škoda Karak replaces his wife's Volkswagen Scirocco. He said it was fun over eight years and reliable.
1: Okay, cool. Which is good news. Yeah,
0: very. He says he was going to replace a very unreliable BMW 4 Series Grand Coupe, sadly in silver, mm. with a Jaguar XF, but our podcast changed his mind and savings balance so what he did was buy a Mazda CX-5 a year ago, which has been totally reliable, and he says it's just as good as all the neighbors Porsches and BMWs and Jags and Audis and Mercedes in Epsom
1: Downs, Surrey, where he lives. Now, what I find interesting is, and I'm kind of boggled by this, Michael, you listen to this podcast, and it sounds like based on this description, <laughs> you made a intelligent budget yeah, saving car choice. <laughs> Normally, normally what this happened? goes the other way. Yeah. You know, I was going to buy a Miata, and I got a McLaren. I don't know. I tripped and fell. I, exactly. you know, I think it's great that you bought this CX five. I love the fact that I'm going to come back to it later. I love the fact that you were comparing and contrasting with your neighbors' cars and going. I just made a better choice. I just made a valid, relevant choice that is equivalent to your cars and spent a fraction of the money. I love that you love it. That's great.
0: Michael says he's a former production manager for a group of car magazines, and he lives cool. opposite to a person. He says he's the advertising boss for a classic Porsche magazine mm. who's trying to persuade Michael to buy a 911, <laughs> but his budget of fifteen dollars to $20,000 retirement fund to spend on a classic car will not go that far. Okay. So we're looking for a starter classic Porsche that is in really a starter budget. Yeah. It's yeah, almost yeah. a starter budget for any car, not to mention just a sure. classic car. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he says, if I were to get a weekend classic car to drive around the lanes of Kent and Surrey and Sussex in the UK, which Porsche would we choose? Okay. Is the Boxster an obvious choice? A friend of his has suggested a 914 because, of course, he's restoring one. <laughs> but he was thinking of a modern classic, just 10 to 20 years old and maybe slightly newer. Mileage is only 2000 a year, if that. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, there's cheap 924s and 944s, and actually the front engined long nose Porsches, well, the 928s starting to go back up, but the 924s yeah. and 944s haven't really gone back up yet. Not the craziness yet. I mean, yeah. everybody's tracked the daylights out of the 944s and ground those into the tracks of the earth. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, they're 10 grand and less, you know, and they're still that way. So he says, I have no idea what I'm doing mechanically, but loads of Porsche specialists in the area where he lives, as well as being, you know, he's got the opposite garage. Yeah. And he's got a Saab specialist who owned a, used to own a thirsty 9.3 convertible, but he loved it. What do we think about the, I love the classic starter Porsche?
1: What I find funny about this is the fact that you live across the street from the advertising boss for a classic Porsche magazine, and he's trying to get you to buy. Wait, wait, let me think. Hang no. on. What is it he wants to... Oh, a classic 911? Can't exactly. imagine. Why? I know. Well, I'm surprised that he's not actually
0: helping you with all of his inside connections if he really wants to. Like, here, I found the deal at the center, and I got the guy for you, and here's the... I found the car for you, that kind of thing. If he really wants you to, don't don't just. Yeah. Well, here,
1: buy a copy of our magazine. <laughs> oh, I I ran a couple of places unexpected with this. Okay, I love the starter idea here, but the big thing that I that I take away from this as I look at it, Michael, is you are not a mechanic in and of yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and this isn't a car you're going... You're not looking for a project. That's what I find very clear in this email. You're not looking for... I'm about to retire. Find me something to tinker with. That's not in here. Right, right. I'm looking for to retire, and I want to buy an investment car. That's also not here. You want a car you can drive, that when you go out into the garage, it's ready to be driven. It can go get driven somewhere, and you can enjoy it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I actually do think that the Boxster... Is way up there on this list, because if you get an yeah. early one, yeah. it's going to run. And the the issues that are out there are known issues, and there are parts to fix it if you need to fix it. But we drove one for our uh, cheap uh, cheap sports cars episode a couple seasons back. We had a three seventy Z because it's been the same for like a millennia. We had the first gen Boxster. And we had a C four Corvette, and they were all under ten grand. All of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. they're out there. And in England, as we've talked about before, a lot of times these cars drop even faster. So I think the Boxster is a great idea. If, here's where I'm going to go. If you get a Porsche to solve this, I think it is the Boxster. But I have two other recommendations and they're not Porsches.
0: Oh, interesting. I, Michael, I was thinking 912 9/12 because 912s are still mm-hmm. kind of unloved in a way, even though people are retrofitting them with electric drivetrains. And they're just buying them and enjoying them and thinking, well, I still get that kind of nine eleven feel. The power just isn't there. Okay. Yep. Now, this is me talking. I'm the guy that wants power. I want power in all my little cars. Yes, I just, I want power. Yes. So take that with a grain of salt. But I like Todd's suggestion about Boxster, but... You know, it does rain in the UK, right? Yeah, but boxers do have convertible tops. Yeah, but how about just get the top? Just get the Cayman.
1: Okay. He is clearly going to drive it on the nice days, though. But
0: okay, first Cayman, you're right. That's excellent. And it does seem like it's a foregone conclusion, but I say that because we're still in the sweet spot of Caymans have come down in price. Mm -hmm. The early ones, the 987s, they're still very raw and fun to drive. Don't be afraid of what the internet tells you about the IMS thing because... We're still in the sweet spot of companies being able to either rebuild your engine or rebuild it with the IMS kit, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. there's plenty of engines around. It's not like it's so classic that, ooh, parts are going to be hard to find true. on that thing. That's and very true. It's yeah, still yeah, yeah. kind of a modern car, which is what you're looking for. And so go early, go 06. Mm. Why not the first year they came out? Mm. And because the internet has scared everybody and told them to be like, stay away from those cars. I'll bet yeah, you yeah, could yeah. find not even the three point four. I bet you could go the uh, the first two point five,
1: or two point seven. Excuse me. So you could go the the actual base the original actual came sure. base. Came yeah, in yeah. For
0: inexpensive. I am mean, sure, inexpensive yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Buy one with low miles, mm-hmm. just drive and enjoy. Have money left over, yeah. Now, of course, the internet will also tell you it's the cars that sit, which have the problems. But mm-hmm. there's no way of quantifying that. Mm-hmm. Porsches like to be driven, but if you've got the hard top, you could drive it more than you think, probably.
1: I also bet if he bought somebody else's well-taken-care-of high-mileage one that's in the IMS danger zone, but it's high-mileage mm-hmm. when he buys it, kind of like chances 911. Sure, sure. If it was going to have IMS, it would have already. Yeah. So now yeah, you sure. can just drive it, even if you don't drive it that much.
0: Well, you also said you've got specialists everywhere around yeah, you. True, and true, true. Okay, something goes, and you need to lean on some people for help to rebuild or... Okay, then you have a great running Porsche that's rebuilt, ready to rock. I don't see the problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Going anything older than there, yes, you could go the front engine Porsches, mm-hmm. but going anything older, well that, you know, introduces parts. And well, now I gotta replace the door panel because I wanna do some restoration on that. Well that's rusty, and now I'm into bodywork and paint and that kind of thing. We both want you to have a car ready right now. The first gen Caymans are just old enough. Where they're, they're not quite classics, but they're just mm-hmm. outside of everybody's you know, sort of want zone. We all want the newer stuff. I yeah. I admit yeah, yeah. to that. But how about the 2.7, that first mm, okay. gen? All right. Very first car. Go drive that. Live with
1: it. Experience it. I'm curious to hear your other two suggestions here. I have two others. A couple of things that really struck me in your email, Michael, that I want to come back to. First off, you said you used to be the production manager for a group of car magazines. So that right. tells me you are aware of cars in general.
0: Absolutely. Oh, so, yeah. so
1: it's not just because you have this Porsche neighbor and Porsche friend. You're aware of cars in general. That struck me. I think it struck me as the fact that in, in the face of this, in the face of all these big brand, brand and badge snob cars in your neighborhood, <laughs> you bought a Mazda CX-5 because you looked at the options and went, that seems like everything I need. And you love it. Mm-hmm. Those two things informed me to go two different directions. First off, I'm gonna go a place that may seem obvious. In fact, it is obvious. You like the Mazda CX5. Why are you not at least considering a Miata? Fair. Okay. All right. Because what I'm what I'm thinking for you is you want to be a guy that you want to spend retirement money well and then enjoy the what you spent money on. You don't want it to break, you want it to be reliable. True. This is a Miata. True. Okay. Yeah. But I think my favorite for you. Is a car I know you can get in the UK. For years, it was one of the cars when you guys would do surveys in the UK about people's most loved cars. It was at the top. Okay. It is a modern classic. It is an alternative to all the Porsche discussion. Mike, get yourself a Honda S2000 and enjoy. That is a fantastic modern classic. It is great to drive, convertible. It was cutting edge technology when they first released them, which means 10 years later when they stopped selling them, which is now 10 years ago, except for the digital dash, it still feels pretty modern inside. Hmm. This is a car you want to enjoy. It's going to just run. And while it isn't a Porsche, I obviously isn't a Porsche, Mm -hmm. I think any Porsche purist, any real Porsche guy is going to look at that car and be like, that's an intelligent choice. Great gearbox, really good engine, well engineered, For sure. That is, honestly, that is a Porsche style of thinking in that car.
0: Okay, you've made me think of one other that I've got to insert here, Michael. Could you get your hands on a ZR1 Corvette from the Mm -hmm. early 90s because they're so cheap and because the engine was engineered by a British company, Lotus. <laughs> it is a
1: Lotus engine. You are you are making Could a. You? Please ask me about my car choice there. If yeah. you're driving that around in Surrey, somebody's gonna ask.
0: That's my that's my thinking. It'll run. Yeah. It's angry and loud, and it's the opposite of everybody in your neighborhood. It
1: is special. I will give it that.
0: I mean, it yeah. is a full on muscle car, and it'll run. Yeah. It'll just be great. Watch. They're like nineteen, twenty thousand dollars in the U.S. right yeah. now it's It's insane. Why are we not all hmm. buying z
1: r one Corvettes? Yeah, could you find one? Watch our American original piece. That car gets a gets a nice section in that in that film because we were genuinely surprised by it. That is a, quite a cool car. I mean, it
0: yeah, I don't know if you can find one. It'd be a hard search. and I don't know how okay. easy it is to live with in that area of the country. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, but just a question.
1: I know the s two thousands are there. yeah, for sure. yeah, they are. If you've got more cars in the garage space, and we suspect you probably do, then you need to protect it with a custom car cover from Covercraft. We recommend the NOAA Custom Car Cover. They're each made to fit your car perfectly, and they resist moisture, but also breathe to eliminate condensation. It has four-layer protection for all weather conditions, and it protects your car from UV rays as well. The NOAA covers even have a soft inner layer, are made entirely in the USA, and come with a four-year warranty. In the worst winds we've seen, the NOAA cover
0: stays put. Todd had one on the Lancer and it kept the paint pristine in all conditions. I wore one out after nine years of daily use on my Audi Avant, and people always asked how I kept it so nice. Plus, you can defend your interior against kids and dogs and spills and any weekend adventure you might have in the mud and snow with custom seat
1: covers from Covercraft. You can have the nicest car all winter long with help from our friends at Covercraft. And you can get 10% off your custom car cover and any Covercraft product by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com and it even ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com to keep your car looking its best. When we're searching for cars for you, local or nationwide, our searches start with AutoTempest. Instead
0: of searching each car shopping site separately, you can enter all your parameters into AutoTempest one
1: time and then search them all at once. With AutoTempest, you enter your search one time and see local or nationwide results from Cars.com, TrueCar, eBay, and many more. Or you can jump to Craigslist, Auto Trader, or CarGurus, without entering anything new. And they just added a link to Facebook Marketplace, too.
0: Auto Tempest can help you find your next new or used car if there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the country. So if you're doing your drive homework, chasing your dream car, or just looking to feed the disease, head to autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Question over here from Facebook. Uh, Nick Elaine on Facebook drove Uh a 1963 Volvo. He says his first impression after, you know, how does a choke work? <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is something it's you just don't question. see anymore.
1: That is true. Yeah.
0: He, he says, upon reflection, was, wow, manual brakes are weird. Mm. So the question is, mm. what other old car quirks are strange or scary to you? And what is it about modern cars do we think our grandkids will find alien?
1: Ooh, that's a good couple part question.
0: Yeah. Well. You know, we started to get used to that when we drove all those early nine elevens. As a matter of fact, kind of tying into our last debate with for uh, for Michael there. Yeah, and the manual input on everything is what's so strange because we're not used to feeling mechanical interaction. Mm-hmm. None mm-hmm. of us are. Mm-hmm. We're used right. to feeling. Products that are engineered to take that feeling out of them. I think Lexus yeah. is one of the best examples to take the, the feel of a mechanically engaging thing out of the equation. You don't want to feel that. You want to be cosseted. You want sure. to be yeah, yeah. enclosed, yeah, yeah. ensconced in this bubble of whatever nonconformity. I don't know. So it was the mechanical interaction. When you, when you drive a car without synchros… Mm-hmm. Whoa. yeah, you feel gear teeth touching. You yeah. hear them and you feel, whoa, okay, that's bad. The car didn't like that. Mm-hmm. That's where that all that personality comes from, yeah. which yeah, yeah. ties into what Todd and I look for in modern cars, because if car companies have left that feeling somewhere lurking within the gearbox or lurking within the steering <laughs> and, and we kind of feel like, oh, well, that's that ties into the car's personality
1: Yeah, because yeah, yeah.
0: now I'm feeling the raw elements of how this car is put together engage with my driving style. That's what's interesting about old cars and old cars. Well, that's just how they had to work. We didn't yeah, have yeah. giant wiring harnesses and airbags in every corner and <laughs> cup couple everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was just, you felt that's just how we built the thing. That's just what it feels like.
1: Along these lines going, linking to the Porsche film is floor hinged pedals. It's not pedals just a Porsche one. thing, but <laughs> if you, if you haven't driven a car with floor hinged pedals and you get in one that has them, it feels incredibly foreign. Mm-hmm. Because you're not just foot pushing toward – what happens with modern pedals hanging from the, the ceiling, if you will, is when you're pushing toward the firewall, you're just pushing directly toward the firewall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now when you have a floor hinge pedal, you actually have to tilt your ankle down toward the floor. It makes heel and towing a very different exercise. Completely different. And so that if you're not used to it and you get in any car with floor hinge pedals, you will know instantly. <laughs> yeah. And that def- definitely feels different. As far as modern stuff, what are what weird oddities – well, the manual transmission for one. Manual, but our grandkids are going to say, you actually steered the car yourself. Let's hope they don't. Why would you do Let's this? Let's hope they're aware. <laughs> I, I hope so. I, I hope what they have to say is, oh, cool, you have one of those cars you drive yourself. That's what I hope they say. Okay, so versus manual Versus crank they windows. never see them.
0: I asked my niece and nephew, when you want to you know, tell somebody next to you to roll the window down, you pull up under a stoplight, yeah, 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 you want to tell them their blinkers out. The motion whatever. for it. The motion for it. Yeah, what yeah. is that motion? And they both did the wind crank motion. <laughs> and I said, where did you get that from? Because neither of you grew up with with uh, manual crank windows. Crank windows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My sister and brother-in-law, they had a big Ford truck with power windows mm-hmm. and, you know, Buicks and just whatever. Does their
1: ancient Saab 9.3 have crank windows? I doubt it. No, it's got yeah, power windows. Of course it does. But
0: it's on the center console, you know, well, European course, yeah. cars, I think. was
1: it. Plus it's a Saab, so it's got the key down and there. The Saab, too. Anyway, yeah, keep going. Yeah. yeah,
0: so it's the Saab quirkiness. But... They both did that motion. I said, yeah. where did you, how do you know?
1: Isn't that interesting?
0: I mean, you could just wave your hand and say, you know, try to say, put your window down, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But nobody holds their finger out and pushes down on You're an right. invisible imaginary
1: power window <laughs> switch. Nobody does that. You're right. One of the things I actually think is really cool in, in Resto mods that they're doing now, a couple of things that's cool, but speaking directly to this, is we, we were in some of the cars at the GRIOS Garage and other cars like this yeah. we've seen where yeah. you get in a car that originally had crank windows, Mm-hmm. And now you can have an electric window put inside, but it, you, the, the actuator is the crank. Yes. You push the crank down for it to go down and you pull it up for it to go up. So it's like an extra large switch, if you will, but it looks organic to the original car. Yeah. But you're right. It's also like the save icon on all of our software. Nobody's using floppy disks, but we all know what the save icon is. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, Derek Miller says, hey, man, how are you? He says, any tips we can share on learning about weight transfer to improve track driving skills? His specific question is, I know what you have. You have that cool Volvo V60 right now. Polestar, yeah. The Polestar that's all-wheel drive. He says, okay, he wants to transition from tracking an all-wheel drive car to a higher horsepower rear-wheel drive car. What does he need to worry about? A couple of things. First off, Derek, I know you've driven rear-wheel drive on tracks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so think back to that. The big thing is that all-wheel drive typically – It's actually one thing to save you when you give it power. When you get to the back of a corner and you give it power, and if you put your foot in it, the front wheels are going to try. Some cars are better than others. Things Mm -hmm. like the GTR and the Evo are fantastic at it. But generally, an all-wheel drive car is going to try to find its way out of the corner because you asked for power. Your rear-wheel drive car fundamentally isn't going to do that. Too much power, the back's going to go, what are we doing up here? It's going to come around and see you. (laughs) And the more power you, you have, the more likely it is to do that. So the smooth application of power is the reason people leaving cars and coffee hit crowds, right? Because they have right. big, powerful rear wheel drive, and they put their foot to the firewall and they think, "I got it, I got." It. No, you don't. Exactly. That is a light pole and a bunch of people. So exactly. don't do that. So it's about application of power coming out when you are. If you're gonna, you're probably gonna get front engine. So obviously, the other things generally in tracking apply. You want to, if you can, break in a straight line. And then you want to watch your application of power on the on the back end. I'm massively simplifying. There are good videos out there for this, but that's my start. Thumbing my way on
0: Instagram says new EVs from GM, specifically the Hummer, is coming we'll back see. apparently we'll as yeah, an yeah. EV. And Lincoln, through their partnership with Rivian, do we really need such huge vehicles to be so quick? <laughs> do we need this? Need this read about zero to 60 in three seconds for the Hummer. This is to be verified at this recording. The Hummer EV has not yet been revealed.
1: True. True.
0: We'll see what happens with, with, uh, you know, future yeah. specs and stats here. He says more torque than a Brabus CLS. Well, you just touched on it. Cars have never been about need. If they were, <laughs> We wouldn't have anything
1: fun. We'd all still be driving vanilla K cars from the 80s. Yeah,
0: I've told you before, you know, why was the second car built? To go faster than the first car ever built. (laughs) This is why. I mean, AMGs and all the high Mm -hmm. horsepower wars of the Mercedes and BMWs and the German cars, well, they just keep coming out with more horsepower. How about the pony cars and the Mustangs and the Camaros and the, you know, Hellcat everything? Do we do we need that? <laughs> no, but it sells no. cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if you can have something, we met an owner. Well, I don't think we met, him, but we heard about an owner who bought a new Corvette Z06. Mm-hmm. Didn't drive it. Didn't do anything. Yep. And instantly had it tuned to make eight hundred horsepower. Yeah. Literally, We're thinking, have you have you experienced the six hundred and fifty part mm-hmm. first? Have you do you understand how much
1: that is before you go to eight hundred? Hadn't had. I, I want to make sure we land this. Had not driven the car, had it delivered from the dealer to the place to give it one hundred and fifty more horsepower and torque,
0: w- without ever having experienced the first six hundred and fifty horses,
1: and then pulled it into a cars and coffee at, I am terrified speeds and parked it and proceeded to brag about all the power it had.
0: Now, I'm not saying that all this power is just for bragging. In some cases, it's... <laughs> We're not saying it's not. <laughs> well, I'm not saying it's not. <laughs> but it sells cars. In the case of the German sedans, well, yeah, you want to have power to go fast on the Autobahn because you can. I
1: mean, yeah, it's yeah.
0: wonderful if you ever get to experience that. Yeah, it's great. I've always
1: said... It's
0: the black Audi that's going to pass you at 195. Yeah. You better get out of the way. You think I'm cool. I'm in my fur I'm the what? big dog.
1: Yeah. Here he comes. A
0: blacked out Audi going yeah. almost 200. Yeah. It'll happen. But I'm, I'm thinking it's uh, in those cases for use in the, in the case of the Hummer for torque. Well, the brand that they had already cultivated needs to be in charge. It needs yeah. to be, yeah, true. it needs true, to true. land with a thud and yeah. one back and, and, you know we can do all this towing with it or whatever they want to do even though mm-hmm. it's not necessarily towing that's the greatest for electric motors but you know that's a whole another subject i'm just saying it's uh it has to meet the brand's perception
1: i also wonder if these big powerful suvs and trucks electric if there's a a hope we can have our cake and eat it too meaning we want all the big power of the biggest most powerful really impressive, hell-catted-out trucks. And by the way, did you know I'm green? All I'm burning is electrons. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so there's, there's that. We keep all of the I-can-beat-you-into-the-earth demeanor that goes with truck ownerships, and, but yet also be green. And I think that, plus, you've joked about it. In the 60s, we were selling cars on sheer horsepower and straight-line speed, and now with electrics, we're right back there. We're longtime users and big believers in Griot's Garage Car Care Products. That's because while many other brands are just rebranded versions of the same few products, Griot's Garage has developed, manufactured, and bottled bespoke car care products since 1990.
0: In fact, many of their first customers were collector cars displayed at Pebble Beach. Griot's is a family company based in Washington State, still dedicated to having the best products for every car and every budget.
1: As a matter of fact, I learned my certified paul car care style from Griot's. We've both used Griot's Garage Car Care products on our own cars for over 20 years, and we wouldn't use anything else. If you're wondering how to get going, they offer free training and techniques through their videos and website and starter kits to help your car look its best. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and
0: all liquid products are made in the USA. They offer a 100% lifetime guarantee, so give them a try.
1: When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EVERYDAY for 10% off your order. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Ikiyata says to me, he wants to know if I would consider a cheap MR2 or a Fiero for a winter car so I can have at least some form of mid-engine dynamics in the winter. Honestly, I'm not obsessed with having mid-engine dynamics in the winter. I just want rear-wheel drive.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure, I, 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 I miss just-
1: having that. My problem with the Lotus, besides the fact of not wanting to screw it up because it's expensive to replace everything on the body, besides that is the fact that my Lotus does not have a limited slip differential, and I would want that on my rear-wheel drive car. My FRS had one. It was a decision-maker. It was great. I loved the the RF for the same reason. I'm not that interested in the mid-engine as I am the rear-wheel drive, and so I'm pondering what might be next because I want to be driving something rear-wheel drive all year. Yeah,
0: for sure. Well, you also answered Rick Dreyer's question here. This is more of a fun question. He says, but what is the best rear wheel drive car for drifting through snow filled empty parking lots? Mm. Any car that you have, but ultimately it's when you can turn all the traction control completely off and ideally manual, to be honest. So that's like Chevy SS. That's like, you know, an FRS. It's a Miata. It's those kinds of things. Mm. It's not necessarily Mm. the size or weight of the car. It's just the fact that you can have full control over it. So when you are on the edge of control, nothing is kicking in trying to overcome what it thinks is an
1: emergency. (laughs) Especially in snow, yes. Devin Brower has a difficult, but I want to tackle it, track daily crush. The Miata RF... Only cleaned in the world's worst car wash. <laughs> yeah, I did see this. A yeah. certified Paul owned and washed Fiesta ST cleaned only with GRIOS <laughs> products. Ding ding, and a Veloster N detailed by our local detail shop, who he's saying he assumes is not nearly as good as you are. Our local detail folks over at Summit are fantastic. He's by fantastic. The way. Yes, Clayton does a great job. Yeah, he does. Um, okay, track daily crush. This is this is good. You know what? I'm going to go here. I'm going to. You're going to be. You're going to be surprised. I'm going to track the RF because world's worst car wash, what do I care? I'm tracking it. <laughs> then I don't have to worry about the fact that you dinged me or that has rubber on it or who cares. Right. I'll track the Miata RF. I'll daily the Veloster in because okay. I trust our local detail folks. And I hate to crush a pristine Fiesta ST, but uh, oh, I think that's ha- what's happening. All my work that I put into that. I'm sorry, man.
0: What the heck? Our Jay Doherty 787 says, what would my six-year-old son be more excited about? An ND2 Miata RF or a 2012, 2015, Boss 302 Mustang. Hmm. Depends entirely about what you two are going to go do. Are you going to take it to a car show? Are you going to take it on Canyon Drives? I mean, if you get the Mustang, don't take it to a car show. But, you know, what are you going to go do with a car?
1: (laughs) Are you going to do
0: burnouts? Like, what is he more into? Are you, you know, cornering? That kind of thing. You've got to ask that question first before you understand. You know, yes, the loud noises and the burnouts and all that stuff coming out of the back. The Mustang is awesome. But do you have the ability to take advantage of the Miata?
1: I'd be curious to see where your son is and what his proclivities are. Because if he's in that stage of big trucks and construction equipment and that kind of stuff, big loud noises and stuff that has anger and and, and menace about the feel of it, then I think the boss wins. But if he's in a place where what turns his head or excites him is to see a— the flowing lines of an exotic sports car, then the RF would win.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, I'm not sure where your son is in that. Do you see um, Andrew Stein's question? I want to talk about this for a minute from Facebook. Okay, all right. Do you see this one? He, he's curious about why so many car journalists are so quick to take the latest car, whatever it is, Oh yes, take it directly to the track and judge it based entirely on its track performance. Uh, yeah, I did see this. He sees this all the time. And you're right, you see this all the time. He's never understood what the heck is going on, why this is the case. Since that's obviously not the way most anyone that buys a car will ever drive it. And then he said, does this do some cars a disservice because they're they're not great on track and they weren't meant to be great on track? This is an interesting point, Andrew. I think the reverse is true, too. And James may have spoken to this at length. The cars that were designed to be great on the Nürburgring often aren't good enough on your local road because they're too stiff. Mm -hmm. Or they're too focused to be a track car. And by the way, have you noticed my commute? Mm -hmm. So this can go the other way. The reason people go to the track is twofold. One, If you're going to take a car with incredible performance, where are you going to actually have a chance of touching that performance? It's probably not your local Canyon Road.
0: True. So they take it to the
1: track. Also, the fact that if you're a magazine or whatever, you have the money to close down the track and no one will bother you. Mm -hmm. True. And the last one is I'm going to call the YouTube effect. I think this problem is getting worse because what people want to see when they watch a video is they want to see the car at the edge of itself, ideally sideways, ideally pouring smoke. True. Very, Vince. very yes. difficult to do that in a public place, which is the reason you and I don't drift on camera.
0: Unless we've got the
1: right environment to do it. Exactly. We're not doing exactly. it on public so, roads. So this is what's yeah. what why we're not doing that. But it is spectacular to look at. Chris Harris has made a career on the fact that a car going sideways billowing smoke is really cool to see. It's compelling. Yeah. So this is the reason we run out to the track. I think a lot of cars are undermined by a track-first mentality, one of the reasons we try to actually take them out on roads is even when we're taking like American original or 50 years of the 911, cars that are designed to be able to be great track cars, we still want to put them on roads and go, this is the car in the real world. Even if we're driving quite quickly, we will still want to do that. Very so true. we think Very that's true. important, but it isn't as look at me at the edge possible, if you will, as if you took it to the track. So these are big factors. One car I can think of that I think was undermined by this approach, the BMW i8.
0: In what sense? You think it does need to be taken to the track? I don't think
1: it's a track car, but no, I think the no. nature of it is well. It's a sports car. Let's take it and put it against the track. It's oh, yeah. just in track. I I don't think that's its intention at all. So what are we doing here? Yeah. Even though it has yeah. sporting look, looking, it's it, oh, it's a it's an electric uh, sports car,
0: kind of. Oh, you touched on this briefly, but I'll add it as reason three and a half, and okay. that is if the car is designed specifically with. Hey, these numbers and we've designed it a certain way and it's not quite developed on the ring or, but it is promoted by the company as this is the fun, new, hot thing. Then, you know, like the Supra, it's, you know, it it has been tracked and it has been raced, Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily positioned as get your high performance. You know, this is going to be the fastest thing on track. No, it's a fun, high performance Mm -hmm. sports car, but it, you know, so we have to take it to track. We have to understand that, but we also need to drive it over here like you're going to be normally driving it hopefully yeah. canyon roads that's why we put it with the, the other two competitors so if it's if it's a car designed for it yeah you're gonna take it to the track company claims this is what you do with it <laughs> let's go see how you did let's go find out all right so what do we think is the better move sean clark asks about the tesla strategy or the rivian strategy Ooh, fighting words tesla is making their own cars Indeed. Mm -hmm. Rivian is making their own cars as seemingly a proof of concept than working with other manufacturers to make the product. Still a little bit remains to be seen. They took the old Mitsubishi factory in normal Illinois and they have retrofitted it. Mm -hmm. And so they will be building their cars there. And of course, all that expertise is pouring in the door at Rivian from design to engineering, marketing, all that stuff. And they are truly building a car company. But as Tesla has found out, making cars is hard. Mm hmm. Apple found this out real quickly. It's (laughs) not just one product with a few circuit boards and stuff some components in and kick it out the door. I'm oversimplifying. Yes. But it's lots of products that have to be perfect. And at Apple standards, Mm. they're looking at, you know, (laughs) any other car. I, I won't name names, not to denigrate cars, but they're looking at any other car and be like, well, that wouldn't be up to Apple standards. We have to make it like this. It has well, to be milled out of a 20-axis mill out of titanium. <laughs>
1: think about Mr. Dyson, the vacuum clean yes. king. Yes. Decided he was going to make a car and then went, this is expensive and difficult. I'm not doing it. And that was years in.
0: By the way, I saw the British government pulled back their investment money out of him because You would think. he decided to not build cars because they're hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The vacuum cleaner can have some a few parts that don't quite fit or maybe it just comes apart. a little. I don't know, but
1: a car can't. Does Rivian become, for electric cars, what Lotus has been for gas cars, where what they make is niche and well-respected, but where they make their money is being is making Rivian versions of the Ford products, the Chevy products?
0: Mm, that's a tough one because of the nature of the products they're making. Mm. It's a high-volume product, a pickup truck, whereas Lotus sure. is making sure. very niche kinds of enthusiast cars. If Lotus built a, hey, this is our off-road pickup truck for everybody— they're yeah. suddenly in a more of a commodity mindset rather than, so in that sense, no. I say no, because Rivian's making pickup trucks and SUVs, which are the big sellers. Yes,
1: but are, is the pickup truck and SUV buyer that go, wants to buy a full-size electric kind of a niche buyer anyway? Now, now they are. Right okay. now, yes. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm For the future here.
0: unknown, but right now, yes. Very true. But as far as engineering services, they're pulling all the talent out of Detroit, to be honest. Interesting. They're They're poaching everybody to come work for this cool new startup and, mm. you know, yeah, but... They're going to find out building cars is hard, but they've got the resources and they're in the right location in the country to be able to pull the talent in.
1: Evan wrote in. You see this? ER Zipperer. That is the winner of Spot the Mini.
0: Oh, yeah. He wrote in yeah, and yeah. said,
1: okay, assuming you have a boring daily. Are you not driving Spot? What happened? <laughs> anyway, assuming you have a boring daily, would we rather have a Miata or a Fiesta ST as the fun weekend car? Mm. He says he thinks rear-wheel-drive convertible seems more fun, but he's saying is the practicality of the, something like the Fiesta ST mean you would just drive it more? My question is, why can't you drive the impractical sports car more? Why can't you just go, <laughs> I'll go get groceries again? What's wrong with that? Here's the thing. If, if you really do have a boring daily, I think you need to go rear-wheel-drive for the fun car. That uh, Rear-wheel-drive remains for me the the holy grail. That is just a dynamics thing, especially if you get something that's also got good steering feel. That doesn't feel like anything else out there. And the Fiesta ST, as much as I love it, I've said two strikes against it tonight. Uh, much as I love the Fiesta ST, anything rear-wheel drive that is well set up, and that's Miatas and uh, 86s and Caymans and let's go on. Let's go on through all the sports car, muscle cars. Go through all of them. Rear-wheel drive is crazy fun. If it's just a fun car, go rear-wheel drive. Hirly. Josh on Instagram was informed by his wife today who has never
0: shown any interest in cars <laughs> that the Kia Stinger looks really cool. I guess that means we're car shopping now. Please help. Yay! <laughs> You're screwed, buddy. No, he goes on to say, is there a better way to spend $3,500 on a true weekend sports car than a well-kept first-generation NA Miata? Ooh. It's going to be tough.
1: That's that's way I up mean, there. I mean, we're talking
0: yeah. maybe MR2s, maybe, but well-kept It's going to be a tough ask for that kind of money. You know, you go up to five, or huge budget of $5,000, we could (laughs) maybe find a little bit more. But I mean, maybe some Corvette, maybe. But that's a tough ask. That's going to need
1: work. That's a tough ask. That is a tough one.
0: So, Josh, uh, let us know which flavor of Stinger that you guys end up buying because we're curious. (laughs)
1: Yeah, we're buying Stingers. Moat Jeremy on Instagram says he just watched the Spec Racer Ford video. I hope you enjoyed that, man. Thank you for that. He's asking about, was it really majorly different because we were now sitting in the center of the car? Mm. He's asking if that is much of a change. It's interesting you bring that up because that actually didn't ever strike me. And I think it has to do with the scale of the car. I think if it – because it it feels about two-thirds size. It's about – well, we're referencing it. It's about the size of an N.A. Miata, maybe a little bit smaller. It's a small car. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. because of that, your center seating position wasn't a lot different than you would be from the mirrors of a normal car. In, like, driving position, you, like, stick your arm out. You're about as far out as the edge of the mirror. That's about how far out the car went from either side. You're so centrally located and the car's so little, it was pretty organic. I think if you were driving a large single-seater – as there have been every now and then, somebody does some design of a huge car with a single seat in it. I think it becomes a much bigger issue. So many of the single seaters are small. Like the Caterham, for example, isn't exactly center seat, but it almost feels like it. Almost. You you yeah. sight the corner so easily, it becomes subconscious.
0: Okay, there's a question on Instagram from C.J. Smith Six who asks, "Why do we think mild hybrids haven't caught on yet? Mm. Chevy Volt just went out of production. Yep. It seems to be the most logical next step, especially for all of us enthusiasts." He's asking, will the hybrid 911 be a mild hybrid? And his guess is because they typically aren't as efficient as well HEVs and EVs. I I have two schools of thought on this. The first is, what's the point? You're you're running your gas engine like a Volt, like an Insight, to charge your batteries, but it has to run harder because now I'm trying to drive the car like I would normally an internal combustion engine car. Yeah. So. My range is so limited, I'm using gas anyway. What's what's the point? On the other hand, for commuters, mm-hmm. what a great idea. Yeah. Because I get to use up this range, 40 miles or however much range I have, just in pure electric mode. But if I need a real car and we're going on a road trip, I'm okay. That's it's what a I always real car.
1: It. That's what I always loved about that idea, yeah.
0: And I think it's because of that, it's like a reversible belt or a reversible jacket or furniture that turns into reversible something it grows as your kid grows turn it into the desk and then the school thing and then the... no i just want my thing to be the thing and that's why mm. products that aren't that i think don't sell as well cars are just big expensive products
1: you've mentioned this before
0: it's because yeah. they're not quite fully one way or the other if it's all electric here's my range i'm doing all the mm-hmm, electric thing mm-hmm. if it's a hellcat engine let it be. Let it rip. Seven hundred ninety-seven horsepower. Let's let it rip. And I'm whatever you, you see. The, I'm using yeah. this as extreme. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's why electrics will eventually catch on further. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas the the PHEVs, the HEVs, the middle ground. You know, right in this middle ground, like what are you? But mm. you know, people's needs change, and you could argue that you could say, yeah. well, you're commuting during the week, and then you're road tripping on the weekend. so it's the perfect car. Okay. Well. Maybe not, because it still just doesn't know what it wants to be from a dynamics perspective.
1: Very interesting. While we're talking electrics, Scott Berger asked on Facebook, would I consider getting a cheap electric car to replace the Lancer? At the moment, I'm going to get nothing to replace the Lancer. Let's That should hurt from that wound for a minute. Plus, I'm still going to unload that car, but it's a whole other thing. He's asking about suggestions, and he's saying, wait a minute. Why don't I get a, a Fiat 500e, small, light, and under three thousand dollars? <laughs> You're right. Here's the thing: are they that cheap? I, according to Scott, I actually didn't what? look them up, but here's the thing: I know that when those cars were first out, it was all about trying to balance the emissions and that kind of thing. You know, and so as a result, re- they were they were leasing them to people. I remember in L.A. this was very popular leasing them to people for like ninety bucks a month. Mm. For wow. nothing. Oh my gosh! Clearly losing money on it, but who cares? Because it all comes out in the calculations. So that's dinner out <laughs> in <nine> L.A. <laughs> well, it is for sure. So Fiat Five Hundred E doesn't interest me, but I will say this, Scott. I I can't help myself but be intrigued by the BMW i3. I don't like it at forty five, fifty grand, but at ten, fifteen, I'm like. Do I want one? <laughs> so, <laughs> Who wants one of these? So I've thought about it. I don't know that I'll go that route because of uh, some other considerations, but I steer, seriously have considered it. So we'll see. Uh, at some point, i got to be honest, at some point I do want to own a fully electric car because I want to talk about that just in life and with you guys and all of those Absolutely. things. And I think getting a used one may be the play because it's like all other tech that is brand new tech in five minutes. It's no longer brand new tech. Yeah. Well, let's see what bolts do in the few, in the coming years. Yeah. Let's yeah, see yeah. what happens
0: to prices of those and Those things. are really good. Yeah.
1: But the thing thing about the i3 is at least it's rear wheel drive it's really well, yeah, tra- like tiny little ice skate tires but <laughs> yeah, it is rear wheel drive
0: wow huge wide tires on an i3 what, what what's going on here
1: you're gonna stance it <laughs>
0: <laughs> can you imagine all right last question for me from an eclectic car speaking of 500s he lives in houston texas looking for a more fun daily really likes the idea of a 500 Bart because it's okay. a small exotic and seemingly lots of fun very cool he feels like it's not the right car for where he lives. There are zero twisty roads, as you know, growing up in Houston.
1: Yeah, Houston's a lot of straight and flat, and lots of big trucks around here, too.
0: Yeah, so what do we recommend for a car in these conditions? And he prefers something more special than a standard Mustang and Camaro. The budget is around the same as a used Abarth. Well, if you go slightly used, that range is now from ten dollars to $20,000. So sure. I say somewhere in the hot hatch arena with a nice turbo. The Abarth is that, which is great. I, I don't see a reason why you can't, to be honest but i think you're wanting some punch some straight line on ramp kind of punch so something in the hot hatch range a gti a golf r a little bit larger something like that you know what the budget is could he reach as high as a gla well he's he's saying it's around the same as this used Abarth. could yeah. 10 to 20000 yeah if
1: yeah i mean the, the a lot yeah. of them that are out there right now are 10 to 12 but if we can go as high as 20 a gla amg 45 is a nice place to just sit you know what i want for you
0: is the 4c The Alpha 4C, sure. They're not in your budget, unfortunately, at this point, but they are that small exotic. You won't see them coming and going. They do have good acceleration. It feels like you're driving a small Ferrari. You're looking
1: underneath the suspension of the truck in front of you, but hey. Yeah.
0: So for that, I mean, I don't love them on track at 10 tenths. You know this. Yeah. But backed
1: off, doing the straight line thing, commuting, whatever, I think you'd have a riot in a 4C. I can see it. I can see it. I could see you sitting and commuting in a GLA and feeling like you're not buried under pickups and GLA having some
0: punch. As a matter of fact, we do yeah. know somebody who is uh, selling their very nice GLA. I've driven it. He's in California, up in Northern California. So if you're interested, you know, we do have one available.
1: We're, you're still just working for pink slips is all you're doing. That's, That's I'm, really all um, you're doing. Yeah,
0: I am guys. Thank you for all your questions. Really appreciate it. Send your debates your ongoing debates to everyday TV at gmail.com or the top right corner of the website under the about tab is the contact button. It goes to the same place. So we aggregate those off of the website and they come to our email address as well. And for your topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions and then next podcast, we're continuing with the best of series. Yep.
1: It's going to be a lot of fun. Probably one. be the last one. We'll see. We'll, we'll see if we can finally close we can get it through. down. By the way, thank you guys for rating and reviewing this podcast and all of our other content because all of that helps. We really appreciate it.
0: Here's to next time. Cheers, everyone.